0: us our mouth, our tongue. He's given us language, words, the ability to communicate with one another. And if we want to find out how to do that well, then we need to look to the Lord, right? And we know this is true practically. When you have sinful people trying to uh, communicate with one another, things can get pretty tricky, Right? Um, Did anyone, just a show of hands, did anyone say anything this week that they regretted afterwards? Anyone? Don't be ashamed, okay? Now we're going to see how many you said, okay? Keep your hands, just kidding, we won't see how many. How many of you were in some type of a, a spat this week, a disagreement? Yeah? No one, just me? Okay, a few. A few honest ones here. Husbands, if you don't raise your hands, then you're making a mistake, and you will be in one after this, so a few say you don't regret something you said. Practically speaking, words are incredibly important. How we use our words is incredibly important. And the Proverbs, it it affirms this. At least a hundred verses in Proverbs are associated with speech. A hundred verses in Proverbs. Um, We all have seen where words could get us into trouble. Uh, They say that in marriages, the, some of the biggest th- factors, especially in doing marriage counseling, is communication. One of the huge ones is communication. In seminary, there's a class that they began to offer called Interpersonal Relationship Skills. And the reason they began to offer this class is because they heard that so many seminarians were going into churches and couldn't communicate with people. They didn't know how to talk with their congregation members. And in case you're wondering, I did take that class, so... It's as good as it gets. I can take it twice. But words are important. All of us know of someone who's asked, you know, that person, that lady when they were due and they were not due. And and they knew they should not ask that question again to anyone, to anyone. Um, So words can get us into sticky situations. It's important how we use our words. But it's not only it's not only practical. If you're following in the notes there, the first main point we'll look at is words. Words are important because they reflect a person's heart. They reflect a person's heart. This is Matthew 12, verse 34. Jesus says this, You brood of vipers, this is the religious people, a group of religious people, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You see, our, our mouth overflows with what's in our hearts, and so it's, it's hard for us to speak what is good when our hearts are evil. Proverbs 12, 23, A shrewd, wise person conceals knowledge. They, they know when to share knowledge and when not to, but a foolish heart publicizes folly. They publicize folly. This is all that a fool can do. They they overflow with foolishness, with just ridiculous things. They don't even know when to stop. Now the Proverbs, they do warn us that there are some people who are able to hide their heart for a while. But it will in, in time be revealed. Proverbs 26, 23. Smooth words may hide a wicked heart, just as a pretty glaze covers a clay pot. People may cover their hatred with pleasant words, but they're deceiving you. They pretend to be kind, but don't believe them. Their hearts are full of many evils. While their hatred may be concealed by trickery, their wrongdoing will finally come to light for all to see. This is a warning for Christians, for those who will follow Jesus, that some people are able to cover up their wickedness for a while, they're able to use smooth speech and they can talk well. We all know people who talk really well. But beneath it all, there's a heart of wickedness and of evil, of trickery. And the Proverbs, that, that will soon come to display. Uh, so words reflect a person's heart. And then also, our words have an effect on bringing either life or death to those who hear. This is an important point, uh, particularly for our day. You see... We've all heard the phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but, but words will never hurt me, right? We've all been told that. That phrase is not known to the Proverbs. Words have an effect of bringing either life or death to those who hear. First, to others, our words to others. Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 12, 18, speaking recklessly is like the thrust of a sword, but the words of the wise bring healing. A sword, the thrust, it brings death. Our words can bring death, but the words of the wise bring healing. Healing implies a rescue from death, in other words, a future of life. All of us know the danger of, of speaking in anger. Hopefully we know that. That, that character assassination begins before we even realize it, realize it. And we can begin speaking to someone and making these accusations about those people. And it can be very hurtful. Modern psychology, particularly Christian psychologists, and I'm speaking from having spoken to experts, not me being an expert... But they suggest that many of the problems that we have are a, are a result of lies we began to believe about ourselves. So people who are struggling maybe with depression or a, a lack of self confidence, it comes from lies they began to believe even from a young age. Uh, from conversation they they had, where they felt like they were either affirmed or they were put down by their parents. Something that they were doing, and then a parent or even a friend, while they were young, uh, said something maybe negative, and that person took that to mean, well, I guess I'm not, I'm just not good enough at this, and I'm never gonna be good enough. Those those words that people share uh, take root, and then they grow and make people believe just these lies about themselves that they'll never be good enough, that nobody cares for them, and so on and so on. And so we need to be uh, aware of when we're speaking to people. This happens in marriages when uh, one person tells the other, you are this or you are this, and uh, and then that person begins to even believe those things and feel very discouraged. Uh, They also say one fact is that it takes... Uh, seven encouraging words to replace every one negative word from psychologists and others. So negative words, encouraging words, they all have their effect. Words can hurt. They bring either life or death to those we speak to, but then they also have the effect of bringing either life or death to us. And the reason for this is that words are either true or false. This seems rather obvious, but the reason we're able to be judged for our words, as we'll see in just a moment, is because our words hold value in either reflecting reality or not. This week, a lot of us probably watched a presidential debate or some of the uh, things after, and we hopefully listen closely to their words, and we also want to believe that their words were trustworthy, right? Right? That we can hold them accountable for what they say. And if what they say is false, if they don't do what they say, then we can rightfully say they're not trustworthy people, right? Our words hold value. They're either true or false. And so in that, our words have the effect of either bringing life or death to us. Listen to Matthew 12, 36 through 37. I tell you, on the day of judgment, Jesus says, people will give account for every careless word they speak, for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. This word, careless, argos, it's, it, it's running at the mouth and not even thinking about it. You don't even care what you say. You're making irresponsible remarks about people or things, whatever it is. It's just careless talk. And you don't think you, you will be held accountable for what you're saying. I think it's really important in, in considering this that we'll be held accountable and judged for our careless words to really examine the heart behind our jokes. You know, we've we've all heard that uh, there's a little bit of truth within every joke we tell or thing that we are sarcastic about. And Proverbs warns that this is dangerous. Proverbs 26, 18 through 19. This is not in your notes, so just listen closely. Like a madman who throws... Fire, beams, arrows, and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I'm only joking. I'm only joking. You see, sometimes we say a joke and there's actually a kernel of truth in it. But we just pass it off. And we're deceiving those who are listening to us. We are even conveying a lie. And so it's important when we realize we will be judged for our words that we examine our hearts behind everything that we're saying, particularly those jokes. And last aspect of this, our words also live on after us for good or for evil. Our words kind of take on a life of their own. There was a, a, a church member just the other day who had attended the memorial service for Mr. Tom Vandever, and he said, uh, he said, I realized I need to be careful what I'm saying because you guys might use it on me after I'm, I'm gone. <laughs> And so, our words live on after us for good or for evil. Proverbs 12, 19, Truthful words stand the test of time, but lies are soon exposed. And so, we will be held accountable. Our words are either true or false. Words are important. They reflect our heart. I hope you see the importance of this that words reveal your heart, that words have a positive or negative effect on others, and they bring judgment on us. This has been incredibly humbling and illuminating to me for my own heart this week when I thought about passing remarks that I make, statements I make in a time of frustration that I don't necessarily have, I could have control over, but I haven't taken control of. I hope you reflect on your heart when you consider the words that are coming out of your mouth. Everyone matters. Everyone affects people in some positive or negative way. This is God's wisdom that our hearts would be right so that our words would also be helpful, good. So, the next point is what is so foolish about the words of a fool? When Proverbs talks about the person who doesn't speak well and use their words well, they refer to that person as a fool. What is, what is it that is so foolish about the words of the fool? Well, fools speak contrary to reality. Fools speak contrary to reality. This sounds like a, a, a complex way of just saying fools lie, right? They tell stories. But it, it's more, more to it than that, and I hope you'll see this. Inevitably, when we begin to talk about speech, we're not only talking about who we talk to, but also who we listen to. So, Proverbs fourteen seven: Stay away from a foolish man. You will gain no knowledge from his speech. We learn that the wise person, the person who desires to be wise, should not surround themselves with a fool because they won't gain anything. And it's, it's not that you won't learn anything. I don't think that's what the Proverbs saying. It's that you won't learn anything that's helpful. <laughs> You might learn some stuff, but it won't be good for you in any way. So stay away from a foolish man. You won't gain knowledge from his speech. Proverbs 14.5 A truthful witness does not lie, but a false witness breathes out lies. Man, you read this one and you think, Solomon was the wisest man in the world. (laughs) Green looks very green, right? That's what it sounds like. A truthful witness does not lie, but a false witness breathes out lies. Well, it sounds obvious, but what is, what is this proverb trying to convey? A person who's known to be truthful, when they're put in a situation that might, they might be pressured, if they've been consistently truthful, they will continue to be truthful. But a false witness, you can never count on them to be truthful. They will continue to lie. Continue to lie. One of the great dangers of lying is that you begin to become a lie. You take on that character. It becomes who you are. So a, a foolish person speaks contrary to reality. They don't know how to speak the truth. It's, sometimes it's not even on purpose. It's just from their heart. It just comes out. They don't know how to speak truthfully. Also, fools speak to divide. Fools speak to divide people. Proverbs 26, 21, Like charcoal to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious person to kindle strife. Some people just thrive on arguments. They love it. They get joy out of it. And so a contentious person loves to kindle strife, to add to the fire and build more and more. Proverbs sixteen twenty eight: A dishonest man spreads strife and a whisperer separates close friends. This person loves to see relationships even fall apart, disintegrate, and they'll even go to whatever lengths they need to to see it happen. They will tell one person about something bad about the other. Say, this person said this about you. They have a habit of lying. So they they speak to divide people. And then also fools speak to hurt. They speak to hurt. And this this is even more harsh. Proverbs 25, 18. Like a club or a sword or a sharp arrow, so is the one who testifies against his neighbor as a false witness. Like a club, a sword, a sharp arrow. Fools enjoy seeing the pain in people. I hope none of us enjoy dividing people, enjoy hurting people with our words. We enjoy sometimes I known even believers like this. They enjoy seeing the effect, kind of I call it the, the boom factor of saying a harsh word. That word might even be true, but they're saying it, not to help, but to hurt. Proverbs 26, 28, a lying tongue hates its victims, and a flattering mouth works its victims. Sometimes they'll even say really, really nice things. But as the Proverbs in another verse says, they're lying a net for your feet. Be careful, friend, about those people who will just build you up and build you up and build you up. Sometimes they're wanting to see you fall. Fools speak to hurt. And then lastly on the fool. The fool doesn't know how to show restraint. They simply don't know how to stop talking. Does anyone know anyone like that? <laughs> Proverbs twenty nineteen, The one who goes about gossiping reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with someone who's always opening his mouth. If you know someone who's always talking about other people, then I wouldn't share with them something that you don't want to be told. (laughs) Even if you tell them, please don't share this with anybody else. They're going to tell somebody. It it just eats them up to have something and not not be able to share it. They thrive on being able to share something that no one else knows. Proverbs 11.13, a gossip goes around revealing a secret, but a trustworthy person keeps a confidence. And then Proverbs 18.13, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and his shame. The the fool doesn't know how to listen. It's not only about his speech, it's also about his ability to listen. He wants to speak. speak. He wants to be the first person to spout out an answer. And so he speaks even before he hears everything. And we all know what happens. All of us have been that person too. Where we wanted to get out the first answer and we didn't hear the whole thing. And then... (laughs) We answered not even according to the question, and the joke was on us. We should learn to listen well so that we can respond well. Proverbs eighteen six through 7 A fool's lips walk into a fight, and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are a snare to his soul. I know that verse is not in your notes. Let me read it one more time. A fool's lips walk into a fight, and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are a snare to his soul. When I I read this verse, especially that first part, a fool's lips walk into a beating. I can't help, in ninth grade, I was sitting in a classroom, and there ended up being this verbal spat between a football player who was just huge, just a big guy, very athletic, And then this small guy, and there was this verbal, this stuff going back and forth, and then they just got toe-to-toe, and then one of them's shirt comes off, and I'm sitting there like, just this kid, little, I mean, scared, and they just start beating each other. But I just think about how it it was the spat that led to it, and one of them did get a beating. And so it... Just his lips walked into that fight, and it invited the beating. And it's not only this a literal fight, but it's a, a fight with parents. Kids, I, I can remember my dad said, if you talk back, you're going to get a spanking. And it happened. He kept his promises, his word. Kids, you know that if you talk back, it's not helpful for you. So our lips can literally lead us into these these fights. It can be fights with parents. It can be a fight with a boss. Things you shouldn't say. It can be a fight in marriage. With a teacher, whatever it may be. But the interesting thing about this verse is the second half, that a fool's mouth is his ruin, his lips are a snare to his soul. You see, the fool's punishment on earth is just a foretaste of his punishment in heaven. That fool's lips eventually become the snare to his own soul. They cannot submit to God. So, there are many things that are foolish about the words of a fool. But what is so wise about the words of the wise? What is so wise about the words of the wise? Well, unlike the fool, the wise knows how to show restraint. The fool doesn't know how to restri- show restraint. He can't stop talking. The wise know how to show restraint. In general, they can show restraint. But they don't talk as much. Proverbs thirteen three: The one who guards his mouth protects his life. The one who opens his lips invites his own ruin. You, you see, the wise don't have to be the first to speak. They can sit back. They can wait. They don't have to get all the attention. Proverbs 17:27 through 28 Whoever restrains his words has knowledge and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Even fools are thought to be wise when they keep silent. With their mouths shut they seem intelligent. We all know the quote that comes from this. Better to keep your mouth closed and thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt, right? The wise, you don't have to talk so much. Particularly in in workplaces, it can be so difficult. So many conversations that go on, so much gossip and uh, things that you'd like to be able to comment on and just even point out how ridiculous it is. Often the wise don't talk as much. In arguments, they, they can show restraint in general. They don't have to talk as much, but especially in arguments too. Proverbs 17, 14, the beginning of strife is like letting out water. It's like a, a dam breaking. So quit before the quarrel cor- breaks out. Quit before the quarrel breaks out. You know those times when you could say one more word, Or one word hangs on whether an argument breaks out or an argument doesn't break out. You can stop it now, or you can just go all in. I heard a story uh, from another uh, preacher talking about this, and he talked about a little girl who went to her mom, the brother was trying to cause a disagreement, he was teasing and wanting to get into an argument with her and wanting to see her get angry and yell at him and And she went to the mom and said, what do I do? He did this. And the mom said, here's what you do if you want him to just get over it. He's not going to mess with you anymore. Go get a mouthful of water and just do this. Just do that. And so she went and got a mouthful of water and the brother had done something and came up to her and she just kept doing this. Mouthful, couldn't say anything. And then the brother just stopped. And she went up to the mom and said, mom, it worked, it worked. You see, sometimes we just Don't need to say anything. We need to know how to show restraint in an argument. So the wise know how to show restraint. Even when they know they're right. This is hard, right? Even when they know they're right. Proverbs 9, 8 through 9. Do not reprove a mocker or he will hate you. Reprove a wise person and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise person and he will become wiser still. Teach a righteous person and he will add to his learning. There's a difference here in when we do speak, even when we know we're right. There are some that will hate us because of it and it's not worth it. And then there are some who will love us when we reprove them. And it is well worth it. Proverbs 17.10 A a rebuke goes deeper into a man of understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. You see, the wise don't waste their words in a conversation that's going nowhere. They can show restraint. Jesus, Matthew 7, 6 says, Don't give dogs what is holy, and don't throw your pearls before, before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. There are some arguments that are not worth having and that are not going to go anywhere. And so the wise can judge these situations and know when to just stop talking. I wonder if you know people whose words are few. I remember growing up when my dad would talk about people who would say, he would say he doesn't talk much, but when he does, you better listen. It's not always true, but many times those who speak the least are the wisest. They're the ones that you'll hang on every word. So the wise know how to show restraint. And then the wise speak according to the situation. And what this means is they think before they speak. Proverbs 26, 4-5 through five, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Those verses occur right after one another. Answer not a fool according to his folly. Then answer a fool according to his folly. You see, there are different situations that demand a different response, even with in the presence of a fool. Some fools need to be corrected, others don't. And only the wise can discern those situations and when it would be helpful. Proverbs 16.23 A wise person's heart makes his speech wise, and it adds persuasiveness to his words. Wise people, they're not manipulators, but at the same time, they know how to make themselves heard. They consider who they're talking to. They consider the mood of the person they're talking to. Have they had their coffee yet? And if they haven't, you can hand them a cup of coffee and say, let's have this conversation in ten minutes. Would this conversation be better in person than on Facebook or text? Wise people know how to make their speech judicious and how to add persuasiveness to their words. I hope you're thinking before you speak. Not flying off the handle and responding just according to your emotion. Generally, that's not helpful. Proverbs 15.1 A gentle answer turns away anger, but a harsh word stirs up wrath. You see, the wise know it's not only about what you say, but it's also about how you say it. Tone is very important. When, when situations get heated, we should be able to remain calm. Proverbs 15, 18, a hot-tempered man stirs up conflict, but a man slow to anger calms strife. And I would imagine if we really thought about it, we could say that our anger has never helped an argument. Or rarely helps an argument. We need to be able to remain remain calm, to speak softly. And it's not that the wise never speak boldly, but they choose carefully. Proverbs 27.5, an open rebuke is better than hidden love. The wise will speak boldly. They will rebuke, but they do choose carefully. So we've looked at why speech is important. It reflects the heart. It can bring life or it can bring death to others and to us. We've looked at what's so foolish about the speech of a fool, what's so wise about the words of of the wise. Let's look to the New Testament for a few moments as we uh, get to the conclusion. James, the book of James, if you'll turn there with me, is basically, has been referred to as a New Testament book on wisdom. A New Testament book on wisdom. And let's look at what James has to say about the tongue. First, we'll look at James chapter one, verses 19, and then verse 26. James 1:19 says, "Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear and slow to speak. Slow to anger." Verse 26. "If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, This person's religion is worthless. Friend, if you're here today and you think you are a follower of Jesus and your heart has been renewed by Him, but you can't control your tongue, the Scriptures tell us that is a place where we are being deceived and can be deceived that we might not truly be a follower of Jesus. We might not have received the new birth through the Holy Spirit. See, the truth is we... We can make our speech, sometimes we can polish it up. But we cannot truly control our speech without the help of the Holy Spirit. Without the help of God. Whenever we're pressed, the truth will come out. Chapter 3 of James, verses 1 through 2. If you'll flip with me. James says here, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. Those of us who have to speak as part of our jobs, we have to speak frequently, need to be very careful about this. Very aware of how our tongue can lead us astray and deeper into sin. Look at verse 5, the end of verse 5. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the course of The entire course of life. And set on fire by hell. Verse 8. It is a restless evil. Full of deadly poison. I think our tongue. How we use our tongue. Is something worth spending. A decent amount of time on. (laughs) A restless evil. Full of deadly poison. So hopefully we see. The danger of the tongue. How it can even deceive us, well, let's look, and this is mainly for practical application this morning. what are the wisest words we can speak? How should we, from day to day, spend our time? if we're going to talk, what should we talk about? And you don't have these things, all these things in your notes, so I hope you'll write these down. First, Jesus, Jesus is the word. John 1: 1, 1, the word. He came to us. And so, considering that Jesus is the Word, He is the Word of life, He is the embodiment of who God is, He shows us who God is, then we can ask ourselves simply, does our conversation entail or does it imitate the wisdom of Christ? Examine the conversations that Christ has with people. Does our conversation imitate this wisdom of Jesus? Jesus, it says later in John 1, that he came in grace and truth. Grace and truth. Our conversation should be full of grace and truth. You know, it's easy to find things that are wrong with people and with things. It is easy. All of us are great critics, right? Right? But what's difficult is to speak those things in such a gracious way that we want to restore rather than just hurt. And from what this passage says, that Jesus comes in grace and truth. And also in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul says, if I don't have love, he says that whatever he says, he's only a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. So at best, at best, when we speak the truth without love, we're just annoying. At best. But most of the time, we're going to be more than annoying. We're also going to be incredibly hurtful. Our words are not going to bring life, but they're going to bring death and hurt to people. And so, friend, if, if, if you see something in people, if you see something at, at work or wherever it is, then meditate on how you can speak those things, not just in truth, but in grace. You can be restorative. You can be healing to people. To things. If you have found some truth. Don't be eager. Too eager to speak it. Some some things are so true. But we don't need to say them. Because we would only be hurtful. We can't say them with grace. And so we need to withhold those things. So. The wisest words we can speak. We can speak about Christ. We can speak in grace and in truth. And then prayer. Coming off of this, how we speak to one another. Bonhoeffer, Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote that spiritual love will always speak to Christ about a brother more than to a brother about Christ. Did you get that? Spiritual love will always speak to Christ about a brother more than to a brother about Christ. What he's saying is we should use our words in prayer for one another more than our words even to one another sometimes. Our words should be used in prayer. And after praying, you might know how to speak the truth in love, like Ephesians says, growing up into Him who is the head. So we, we speak with... The wisdom of Christ. We speak in prayer for one another. And then speaking words of confession and reconciliation. Words of confession and reconciliation. Romans ten nine through 10 and verse 13. If you can just listen to these. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord... And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified. And with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. God has given us words so that we might call on him. That we might confess our sin. Repentance is a wise use of words. First John 1.9 If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's given us our words so that we might pray to Him, to confess Him, and then also to proclaim Him. 2 Corinthians 5.20 Therefore, Paul says, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making His appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So what Paul is saying is that God wants to make an appeal through us to others that they would be reconciled to Christ, the only one who can forgive their sins. These are wise uses of our words. These are ways that we might speak life to people and bring healing to people. We speak truthfully to them even about their sin, but we speak graciously to them about the God who would forgive them and the God who would help them to be sanctified to know Him. So, I want to encourage you this morning and just ask you, are you being wise with your words? Are you being successful in God's world with the way that you speak because you're using the mouth He's giving you in the, given you in the way that He's called you to use it? To lift up one another. To speak His truth to those don't, who don't know Him. And to sing praises to Him. Friend, remember that whatever you're saying, whatever is spewing from your mouth is a reflection of whatever is in your heart. And an evil heart can only be concealed for so long. I invite you just to take time to pray this morning and to reflect for a few moments on the ways that your heart has been being revealed through your words. And for those of you who are not followers of Jesus this morning, maybe you have been in church for a long time, but you are realizing that y- you have been deceived in your own heart—that you truly don't know, you don't know God. You're not a follower of Christ. Would you repent this morning? It says, "If we are faithful, in, He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. He's given you your mouth that you might confess to Him your sin." And he might heal you. I ask that you would do that this morning. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the grace that you have given us in Christ. Lord, teach us to use our mouths, Lord, in more helpful ways. That our hearts might be near to you. And that we might love one another. Lord, that we might proclaim your excellencies. And all the earth. Lord, please show us our hearts this morning so that we might turn to You. You would give us that grace. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.